When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It is a great week. Well, depending on your point of view and where you are in New York hockey right now, but always the NHL, they've provided no shortage of entertaining headlines for this week. I am looking back at the preseason as your host, Mark Williams. And I'm here joined with the man from the fourth period, Mr. Anthony Glorocco. Lambert, Lambert, man, he's got to go. But speaking of the, the fourth period, one of my bosses will be joining us uh, any second. Dennis Bernstein, uh, Los Angeles Kings insider, um, TFP. So looking forward to get his take on the Kings and also his thoughts on on the uh, Islanders and Rangers. So he should be joining us any second. Yeah, Anthony, it's been a crazy week, just in general. And of course, our third partner in here, the Hockey Triforce, Mr. John Falkowski, will be joining us any moment right now. So, uh, Anthony, let's go right to the A block right now, and let's talk about what happened last night. Even though we we would lead with, with the Rangers possibly today, because after all, they had a very successful week, but you can't help but look at what happened with the Islanders. Of course, the A block is sponsored by SeatGeek. Use the promo code BIGAPPLEHOCKEY, $20 off your first order. And... Also, Big Apple Hockey Trucker hats and shirts are available. Click the link below. But you look at the Islanders, two, one and one last week, uh, eight, seven, and six this season. I mean, it's – and then that was just last night. It was just uh, – Hold on. Okay, we, got, we got DB Dennis Bernstein joining us right now. So that's welcome. All right. That's welcome, Dennis. Our first uh, Big Apple Hockey first-timer. He's got, he's got a catch-up to Pagnota. But uh, glad, glad to have you on, DB. How are you? Doing great. Happy to join the podcast and talk with you guys. No problem. Awesome. At all. Awesome. So, um, as many of our viewers know, uh, you're one of the top king insiders as long as being on at TFP. So, let's just start yeah. there. Um, what are your early observations on the Kings' start to the year through their first, you know, 20 odd games? They're first in offense and first in defense. Todd McClellan's doing a pretty good job, eh? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think the second in points percentage, a lot of things are working for this team. Cam Tablet, I think right now through 20 games is their MVP. Came out of nowhere. Injury rack season last season has done great. Uh, He's certainly the guy in net right now. Quentin Byfield, who we've been waiting, including me, for a while to emerge, has certainly emerged uh, as an effective, productive top-line player. Last year he was effective, just wasn't putting up points and not getting goals. Uh, And, again, you go to the depth on uh, at center. Uh, when they traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's what they wanted to achieve. And on some nights, to be honest with you, his line's the fourth best line. And if you have a player like that who's a 30-30 player and it's your fourth productive line, you got a pretty darn good team. So what's not to like in Los Angeles right now? They've won nine straight um, on the road. And I believe they would break the record 
the NHL record against the Islanders next Saturday night. They have one <laughs> well, more road game. Very well might at this rate. <laughs> yeah, they have one road game in Columbus on Tuesday. Um, and then um, uh, actually, I don't know. I think they might break it against Montreal because they have Tuesday, Montreal, and then uh, Columbus, Montreal, and then New York. But it's been. I think he froze. Yeah, got a dress for one second. We're going to get him back. Oh, there he is. DB, you're right back. I got you. Sure thing, man. No problem. All right. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been a hell of a ride for the Kings right now. It's been amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's Well, look, they were going to be good anyway, right? They had 95 point, 99, 104-point seasons to back-to-back. The question with this team, can they win in the playoffs? Because the last two seasons, Edmonton knocked them out. Right now, uh, they've played and they've played some legitimately good teams. They lost to Boston at home. They lost to Colorado opening night. They lost in a shootout to Vegas, but went up beating Vegas. So this is a legit team. You know, they, they, look, is Cam Topic going to be, you know, two oh oh goals against a nine twenty seven save percentage for the rest of the season? Doubtful. But they don't give up much. I think they're first or second with respect to surrounding high danger chances. They play the one three one effectively. I know. There was a Habs fan that watched the game on Saturday. The Kings won 4 nothing. and said, oh, it looks like a Jacques Lemaire coach team. I'm like, really? They're, they're <laughs> second in goal differential and first in goals. They're, they're not a Jacques Lemaire team. So everything's clicked very, very well, and they do have a lot of talent. So they're going to be a very dangerous team if they continue to play this way once we get to April, and that's a long way away. Stevie, just you extending your thought. So, oh, yeah. Sorry, Anthony, just extending no, no, your thought. Was... They were saying this on NHL Network uh, that – the, the watch the Habs against them. There was absolutely nothing LA gave them. Yeah, I used the word smothered. They they were smothered uh, by the Kings, the Habs. And look, I, I saw the Habs in Boston the week before. They're not a very good team. They're a young team. They have talent. Slavkovsky's trying to find his way. They have a one legit center in in in, in Suzuki. Caulfield's an excellent goal scorer. They have a very young defense. They have some depth in goal. But yeah, they smothered that team. They didn't really have a sniff, and it was two nothing. But you weren't really feel threatened, and two nothing is no lead in this league anymore, right? You can score three goals in in three minutes. So, but it was ne- they were never threatened. So that was the th- one thing about this team. They play very very well. They've certainly responded to the tweaks that Tom McClellan and t- coaching staff has put in the season. Like they had the top penalty kill. They were you know it, it, what lost them the playoffs last year was the penalty kill. So see this much of a change, and there wasn't too much change in personnel. They added Trevor Lewis, who has come back on a you know reunion tour. Uh, the guy that left was Rasmus Kapari, who is a decent enough defensive player. But their structures changed a little bit, and they're getting goaltending. It's as simple as that. The goaltending they weren't getting at the beginning of last season. And I know people are skeptical about the Kings. But they're like, oh, could, could this continue? For one season, it can. Like I don't know how long – Cam Talbot's going to play. You know, he's 30, what, 36, 37 years old. So, uh, but it's been, everything's come together for this team uh, very, very well in the early going. But as Todd always reminds me in the media in LA, it's still very early. But, you know, I I, I kind of balance that with by saying, you know what, 76% of the teams who are in, uh, in the playoff spot by Thanksgiving stay in the playoffs. Yeah. This team is legit to win the division. That's how good they are right now, short of no injuries, which they really have been, Pretty good look with injuries. They've lost Blake Lazat presently. He's in a red no-contact jersey. Probably gets a game over the weekend. And the other big missing part would be Victor Arvidsson, um, who uh, really impacts their power play. The Kings are about 20% on the power play, which nowadays is about, what, average? 
I think 20 years ago, or the led yeah. the league. So, yeah. there's, so there's been a little small bounce, but they stayed injury free, and everybody's really achieved or overachieved, depending on the individual you're talking about. Now, DB, at the start, you mentioned Quentin Byfield. I was going to ask you about him. 16 points in 19 games. Yeah. Um, you know, he seems like he's really kind of got in his comfort zone and is kind of starting to become the player everyone thought he would be. Um, what's the biggest thing in his in his game that you notice different from, you know, the years prior? Confidence. He's giving himself permission to make big plays. He's not being deferential. And this was what happened with Adrian Kempe as well. You know, before Todd McClellan came to town, Adrian Kempe was a 12 to 14 goal scorer. And he became an alpha dog and started putting up 30 goals, put up 41 last year. Same things happened with Byfield. Now, again, this is a maturing player. This is, his, you know, and he's been hurt. Like he had a broken ankle. He had two injured wrists last year. So he didn't play a full, I think he played 50 games. But right now he, and, and when you play with Kopitar and Kempe, you, you better be productive, right? There's no excuse not to be productive with a yeah. guy in, in Kopitar who's shown no regression in 36. And I already talked about Kempe. He's playing with the right players. But he's just way more confident. The one play he made, I believe, is in the Anaheim game where he threw this backhand pass, uh, cross-ice pass to Kopitar, and Kopitar finished, and you saw the look on, Kop- on Kopitar's face. He's just a much more confident player. He has all the skills. He's big. He's rangy. He chases down pucks. See, last season he was he was like the first guy in who would chase down a puck and get puck possession but couldn't be productive. This year he's just much more productive, and I think a lot of it has to do because he now believes he can make these plays and it's funny to hear that the guy was a second overall pick that lacked in confidence, but he certainly did in his first two seasons. I think that's the biggest change. Nothing that he's done stylistically or you know, changed the, you know, the flex on a stick or anything like that. It's just a much more confident player that's coming to the ice every every night. DB, I'm going to bring in the third member of our uh, panel in right now, just for uh, John Dolkowski right here. John. And uh, I'm going to ask you this question because I, I watched them – about a month ago in Arizona, they went mm-hmm. down four to one. Yep, uh, it was uh they they let up the go- first goal of the game within the first minute, and it looked like Arizona was coming. But then you just you can never count the Kings out of a game, like defensively mm-hmm. and offensively, they just look like they're always going to be coming at you. Yeah, because they were all four lines. If you shut down Kopitar and Kempe in one game, then Dano more more has I think eleven goals. He's on track for a thirty eight goal season. So that and um, Fiala can hurt you, or their fourth line with Lazat in there. Their fourth line before Lazat got hurt was very, very effective. They gave up nothing when they put their bottom six out there, and a lot of teams do. You know, it's the top heavy teams like Edmonton and Toronto. When they put their bottom six guys out there, they they lose games. Like they they lose they lose momentum. Not with this team. They can roll four lines. Carl Grundstrom on. Probably two thirds of the teams is probably a top six player on this team. He's been a fourth Seven line goals. player, right? Yeah. yeah, he's been he's been great for this team. So it's a situation where when they roll four lines and a lot of teams like in Arizona can't match up. Yeah, maybe the first line with Clinton Keller and and Nick Schmaltz who always kills the Kings. Maybe they can compete. When when you get down to the the situation where you ha- you're rolling these lines and they're all productive, it's a very hard team to beat right now. Now before we kind of transition to your thoughts on the New York teams. Um, the Kings are in third place. They got an eight-point eight point cushion on, on the next place team in the Pacific, mm-hmm. which is the Flames. Um, would you say that they likely won't finish any lower than three in that division? Yeah. Based on well, they haven't. Seattle is playing. Yeah, and th- they haven't played a lot of games. I think they played six games in 21 days. And, and yeah. Todd said that, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to pay for this later on. But they've played one game in a week. They played tonight, Wednesday, against the Caps. They haven't played since last Saturday, and then they don't play until Sunday against uh, the Avalanche. So they're – 
believe it or not, and you never hear this from a coach, but I got this from Todd this morning. Like they're practicing too much. When have you ever heard a coach say, "Oh, we're practicing too much"? Like, and, and the reason the concern is there's not to put in systems or they do work on stuff. And the thing about this team, where you see they're connected to the coach, they try stuff in practice, and you see it that night in the game or the next day in the game. So while the power play, the penalty kill, whatever they want to instill in this team, they are listing. So they're a coachable team. So that that's part of the issue, but just not playing enough. And the the issue is is rhythm. Like, you know, it's like any other sport. Like, you got to play, and they'll get to a point where they are playing every other day, like most NHL teams. The big concern is that they're playing so well, but they're not playing enough, so they lose the rhythm. So I'm really interested to see against Washington, which is not a great offensive thing, how they play the first 10 minutes. Are they still connected? Because when they play very well and they roll four lines and they have the three pairs rolling, they're, an, they're a very, very good team. But the, the fact that they haven't played a lot, I think that's the biggest concern, which sounds crazy right now. Uh, for a hockey team that they're not playing enough games, but that's the situation right now. But uh, I expect them to, yeah, I expect them not to be struggling for the three seed. I, I think they're, I think it's them in Vegas. I think I'm going to see regression from Vancouver because uh, their shooting percentage is really, really great. I don't think the depth is there that it is in Vegas and LA. So I think Vegas and LA will go one, two uh, for the division for the Pacific division when we get down to the uh, final weeks of the season. Yeah, Dennis, I have one question to ask about sure, uh, before you uh, before we transition. I, I've taken a look at Pierre Luc Dubois and just watching some of his games and seeing his numbers. It looks like he's kind of on pace for lower numbers. I, I apologize if this was mm-hmm. answered before, but what are you seeing in like in his assimilation to the team and how he's fitting in and everything? Well, they're trying to figure out a, a, a spot for him. To be honest with you, they, they first tried him with Fiala because two creative players, but the the issue with playing him with Fiala. It's both Dubois and Fiala uh, need the puck. And so when you have two guys on the same line that need the puck, it's probably not going to work. And it hasn't worked. So they moved Fiala alongside uh, Deneau and Moore, which I love because, you know, the IQ on both Moore and Deneau is off the chart. Uh, They're defensive-minded players. They're more responsible defensively. So when Kevin takes that risk, and he's a very risky player at times, he has more support. I think the biggest thing with Dubois, he's still trying to figure it out. I think he's getting it's probably about 85, 90% figured out. You know, if they had an Arvidsson in there, maybe that would help him a little bit more because Arvidsson's a playmaker. But again, like if he's your fourth best center from a productivity standpoint, you got a really good friggin' team. And, yeah. and so there's no so here's the thing. Yeah. He gets cover because of the great play of Kopitar and uh, Deneau and absolutely Lazat when he's healthy as well. So he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't need to come in and be a, you know, 45-45 guy. He doesn't need it. Now, he's getting paid. He's getting paid 8 mil. But he can come in and be a 30-30 guy. And if you get 30-30 guy and let's say he's your 3C, wow, you got a team that's going to contend for sure. So, yeah, it's not been – so I get that some people criticize the bar because they look at the length of the contract. They look at the AAV. And the numbers don't equate to what the production should be for that type of contract. But the Kings don't look at it that way. You know, they just look at like we've got the four best centers possibly in the league, maybe in the West. And that's what they're banking on right now. So they can, he can buy time to get assimilated. And I think he's going to play better in the second half than he does in the first half. Uh, but you're right that when people look at it, the production is underwhelming so far. Now, Dennis, uh, as you know, my, my latest piece is out for us today about the Islanders and some players they could add. Um, you know, a lot of Islander fans are calling for them to fire Lane Lambert. In, in your opinion, 
what do you think Lou is more likely to do first? Make a move for a guy like Zadorov, who a couple of insiders have mentioned the Islanders kicking around, mm-hmm. or firing Lane Lambert? Do you, do you, which which route do you think Lou would go first? Well, I think there's a couple of games they won on the road that had they not won, uh, I think he would have been. I think Lane Lambert would have been gone. So uh, I, I think the the desperation move, like in you know Edmonton, you know, like in other places, is to fire the coach because it's the easiest move to make. Yeah. Um, look, you look at that game last night, and you got to say some of that's coaching, right? You shouldn't yeah. be blowing a four-two lead in the third period. I know it's on the road. I know the Devils bounce them back, and the Devils are way. I'll say this: the Devils are way better. They got to need. They need Nico and Jack. Like they got to do with either guy. They need both guys. They don't get great goaltending. But when you look at, at that team, and you look, should they have lost that game? No. Uh, is he? Is it how long's his leash? I'd say medium sized leash. Because look, let's be real here. They have they have Tampa's right now the eight seed. They have yeah. two games in hand on Tampa, and they're, they're three points out. It's not time. Like it, it's not time. But and then you look at the teams that are outside looking in right now. The Caps, I think they'll fade the island. Uh, the Devils, they'll be back in. Buffalo, Tage Thompson not there. I don't think so. Then the goaltending's not there. And Pittsburgh's probably the biggest threat. Is it time yet? No, I don't think the teams tuned him out. Right. I I just don't think it's a very good team. That's the problem. That I think that where they sit in the standings is probably what they are. They're they're not an overly talented team. They're not quick to the puck. They're an older team. I could tell you that there's eight guys on the roster who are 30 years and ages old. They're in a Pia Ingvall's a top six player on your team. You're an average team. Yeah. And so that's it. Do I think it's time for Lane Lambert? No. If they go out there and lose like three and uh, go next road trip and they get blown out three games and it looks like they're not trying, fine. They lost the game and they should have won last night, but I still think they're trying. So it's not time yet. But look, if they don't make the playoffs, then I don't think the coach is going to be there. I don't think the GM is going to be there. I don't think yeah. the time is now because it's it, they're not that far. They're not Columbus, right? They're no. not that far away. I, I just don't, like the offense. When I watch this team, are they capable of making? Like, I'll give an example in, in, with Edmonton. I think anybody on this panel here would agree with me that they're capable of making eight one and one run yeah. based on their yeah. offense. Yeah, are the Islanders capable of making an eight one and one run? I don't think so. They didn't score enough goals. Like yeah. they'd have to get seven shutouts from Sorokin and one from Varley to, to get that those eight wins. That that's how I look at this team right now. So I don't think it's time because they're not that far adrift from the playoffs. But again, let, ask me again in 20 games. And it's not the results, it's how they're playing. Are they competitive? Are they in games? And there's some pros on this team. Like I like the character of a lot of these guys on the on the team. I just don't think there's enough quality there to say, is this the top eight when you have teams like, you know. Florida bouncing back. And mm-hmm. uh, if Tampa's your eight seed, it's going to be really t- tough to get in. So not yet for Lane. I think there were some some games on that trip. Had they not won, I, I think they would have been kind of playing a change. But in the moment, I don't think so. DB, I've seen a lot of movies in my day where I've just watched it and went, this is a really good movie. And I can't believe how good it was. But something was missing. Right. I feel that way a little bit about the New York Rangers right now. I know this team is good, but it feels like there's something missing. So do you feel the same way? And if so, what do you think they're missing? Well, what they were eight, two, and one without Adam Fox. They were missing Adam Fox. I guess that's not a problem because uh, yeah. Gus decided to take Adam Fox's spot. Um, what are they missing? I don't think they're missing any. Like the component of this team 
I watch them play and they're exciting. Um, Panarin's in the conversation for the heart without yeah. question. Right. It's, but it's, it's basically the same team that failed in the playoffs. So what could you add? Look, will the bottom six produce in the playoffs? Will Panarin produce in the playoffs? Will the big guys produce in the playoffs? They have all the components. I like the way they're playing. Kako's a tough loss, right? Even though he's not productive because you've got to replace that player with somebody else. Lufferin, you know, Alexis is finally emerging. There's not too much I would add to this team. Like, like when they talked about Patrick Kane, I'm like, no way. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I would say to you, like, well, first of all, what do you think they're missing? And when I look at the teams that they would potentially play, could they beat could they beat Toronto? Yep. Could they beat a Florida? Yeah. Like there's not a t- the team that 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 I would thought would not knock them out is Carolina, but Carolina forgot how to play defense. Yeah. So and remember the team that eliminated them last year was the Devils. The Devils don't look the same. So right now in the moment, I wouldn't touch this team. You know, sometimes you want to make an addition, whatever. Like it depends how healthy they are. With Adam Fox, they're going to be even better. There's not much. To not like about it's like they're similar to LA. Like, what's not to like about this team right now? Now, granted, it's 20 games. Like, let's see what if they go on a five game losing streak and there's a threat through that losing streak, then you can say, okay, this is the area they need to address. But right now, they're rolling. They play, you know, they, they, they've had that tough road schedule for a while. I don't know what to add to this team right now. I would know better when we get two weeks out from the, the trade deadline. For right now, don't touch what's not broken. It's funny you say don't touch what's not broken because that's something that I've said on my social media accounts over the last, I would say, week or so, especially in regards to Gustafson and Fox and so on. Right. But you know, we mentioned the the lack of depth at right wing. Mm-hmm. And they, they yep. call up Johnny Bradzinski, yep. who I know a lot of fans is not going to satisfy whatever the case may be, and then Adam Edstrom. Is mm-hmm. there something that you can see there maybe in the not-too-distant future then? Because obviously they're going to need some sort of body that can kind of give them a little something, whether it's top nine, top six. Okay. Um, would there be something that you could see maybe a little bit down the road there? Well, John, you mentioned right wing. So you tell me what how productive Blake Wheeler is going to be over the next 20 games. That's right. the thing, and that's the problem, because it, it, he seems like he's kind of behind the play at times. And mm-hmm. it seems like that's affected his line mates, especially me, because Venijan and Chris Kreider, who have had their woes a little bit at five on five. So yep. that, that's why I bring this up because I'm I'm kind of concerned about that. Well, you know, when you're six five and two twenty five and you're thirty seven, you're going to be a little bit behind the player, right? It's not going to be mm-hmm. you're not going to be skating with Connor McDavid. Uh, I want to see what that player does over the next twenty games, right? He's got two, four, six, and twenty games, right? That that's if you're going to play top line minutes, top six on this team. Like, because you know the, the thing was, Wheeler was going to be what a middle six guy, third line guy. Now he's moving up the line because Kako's hurt, right? So could that be a a area of concentration for the GM come the trade deadline? Yeah, it it could be. But I think they have enough there, and they don't have cap space. So what are you going to do here? What, what what player would you bring in, and who's going to be available? So right now, yes, could that be an area of opportunity five on five? Yeah, and, and I think what happens with the Rangers when they lose if they lose in the playoffs, what'll, how they'll get beat? They'll get, uh, they'll lose on puck possession. They'll get outchanged, uh, and their their depth won't, won't come through. So, would that be an error to address? Sure, it would be. But I, I would think that now Blake Wheeler's got to show up, right? And if he doesn't over the next twenty games, then you got to say, okay, we we need one more guy on the right side. So that's a good call by you. That would that would be the biggest area of opportunity. But again, when you get the other guys putting up numbers like they are, 
it's less of a concern right now because you're not this team is not going to give up much. And look, people, I know that people said, "Oh, Lavi's a retread. And he just wants to coach every single team in the Metro Division." <laughs> the man's a damn good coach. Like Thank whatever's you. going on, they're responding to this guy. There's more structure on this team. I know people love Gallant. They thought he was a really good coach, and he's got you know screwed over in a couple of places like Florida and Vegas. But you could see the difference in this team, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, without absolutely. question, there's way more structure on this team. They're much more defensively responsible because he makes them be more defensively responsible. It's as simple as that. So Lavis did a great job. So I don't think there's that yawning need for more production because I don't think this team, frankly, is going to give up that much. Uh, DB, you saw Jonathan Quick play for a long time in L.A. The last couple of years, you know, his numbers aren't where they mm-hmm. usually were when he was kind of in his heyday. Um, are you surprised to see how he's seemingly found a fountain of youth so far early on in the Rangers? Because he looks he's looked great so far in all the yeah, games guys, he's he, played. And yes and no, because I think stylistically he's not playing any different. But there were pucks that were getting through him that were kind of low and mid-range chances that were getting right through him last year. That was what was happening. So I don't think there was any injury. His style hasn't changed, and that was the one rap on him when he talked to guys like uh, Mike McKenna who's on with me on Angel Radio, talks about it, saying he needs to change his style. And I know John, and he's a stubborn guy, and he won two cups, and he won all – he got 60 shots, Mm -hmm. and that's all. He's not – it's too late for him to change, right? So the style's not going to change. The pucks that were getting through him last season aren't getting through him this season. It's as simple as that. Now, do I think these numbers, the -the off-the-chart numbers, are going to continue? No. I think he'll regress to the mean. But again – He's got a damn good team in front of him. Like, if he gives yeah. up a bad goal five minutes in the game, he's not going to worry. Oh, that's my chance to win the game. Like, it, it's a function of the structure in front of him. Like, there aren't that many high-level chances. So, am I surprised? I am because I thought he was done. And then he went to Vegas. And, look, he raised the cup. I was on the ice when he raised the cup. It was kind of awkward for him, I think. The one thing saving grace was that <laughs> Alec Martinez, who's his pal, handed it to him. So, if it was Mark Stone <laughs> or somebody else. He had no connection to That's fine. So, yeah, I'm I'm surprised at the numbers. I'm not surprised that his competitive nature, and he wanted to be there, too. I think that matters. He grew up a Mike Richter fan. He's comfortable yeah. there, right? And that's that's the – so that he was set up to win, right? And let's say he started poorly. Let's say you had – then you would have played Sorok. Uh, you would have played uh, Igor more. Shostokin would have played more. So he was covered there, too. He was set up to win. He went home. He, he's playing behind eight, an all-world goalie. He's playing with a really good team. So I, I'm not surprised that he's succeeding to the extent of the numbers. Yeah, that's kind of a shock to me, based on what I saw last season yeah. in, 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 in L.A. and in, in Vegas. I agree there. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's been a massive surprise. And, of course, you got Benoit Allaire, who yeah, possibly the best goalie, goalie coach in the league. DB, uh, if, if time permits today, one of the things we we're going to do is second-guess some of our preseason hot takes. Oh, Are there okay. any preseason takes you have that you look over at yourself and go, how did I get that one wrong? I want to I go to the fourth period. Give me a second. I'll go to the fourthperiod.com and look at my preseason picks. Uh, I ha- well, see, my, my, my cup pick is is because I'm not like my, my co-host Ryan Payton on Hot Stove. He had Edmonton and Toronto in the cup final. So that doesn't yeah. oh. that that doesn't that's not that's eh, not looking so good. So let me go back. I think that let's see. I had uh no because well I had the Oilers winning the division, but I don't have them winning doing damage in the playoffs. Let me look at my uh, hmm, okay. Well, Rasmus Dahlin for the Norris probably isn't going to happen. 
Uh, other than that, mm, Don Granado's probably not one of the Jack items. But nothing, nothing that would go on um, uh, cold takes exposed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have nothing. I, I have a go. I have Jeff Ottinger for the uh, Vesna. It's probably going to either be him or Demko. He was mine too, uh, so I can't really. Yeah. Uh... But, but nothing really egregious that I embarrassed with you. And I, actually, I had the cup final as uh, Colorado over Dallas. I mean, Carolina over Dallas. So, uh, but nothing, nothing. How about you guys? Uh, well, we all kind of said that the Bruins were going to take a step back and kind of struggle a yeah. decent amount. And that's certainly that's hasn't happened. So definitely got that one wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. I had the Bruins, I think, second in the division to Toronto. But I was going on air saying, oh, you know, I don't even know they're going to make the you – know, it's a situation yeah. where, where Jim Montgomery might win the Jack Adams twice in a row, one for – that season, last season, which was incredible. And then for this season, you know, up until a couple of games ago, and they've hit a little bit of a rut. They were ahead of the pace of last year, right? So the fact that he, yeah. you, you subtract Bergeron and Krejci and you're better, that's a, a massive – and I watched them, and they they control the game against the Kings. They, they, again, this team blocks shots. They have great goaltending. They respond to their, their coaching. They're so well-connected. They're quick to the puck. So it's no surprise that they're doing very, very well. But I agree. I thought they would regress to a point where – they were probably a hundred point team in a wall card, but at this point, you got to slot them in the top three in the Atlantic. Although, yeah. follow up question on that one: If sure. you had the Bruins game seven once again, both goalies are healthy, who mm. do you go with? Oh. Uh, I, I like the kid from Alaska. I love Swayman. I, I would go yeah, with Swayman. I, I really would. I, look, if they went to a seven and it's all Mark and they watch three two, I wouldn't criticize them because you know the, th- the big picture is like, what do you do there though? Like, you can't keep running these guys. Like forty games each. Like you got to make a decision on one of these guys, right? And I think Swimmons a younger player. They love Allmark in the room, though. He's such a fiery, competitive guy. I talk to guys who play with him in Buffalo as well. So they really love him. And it's a it's a difficult choice. But I would I would pick Swimmon. But that's a that's a really hard choice to make. And it's also based on the fact that you know wasn't it Allmark in Game Seven against the the Panthers? So I might want to change my tune for another Game Seven going forward this season. Now, DB, real quick, do you do you think a team takes a chance on Corey Perry now that he's no. going to be? No, 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 no. It, it's no. It, it's a. It's it's unfortunate what happened, um, and the social media situation really, really kind of sued him. Like with respect oh, yeah. to the rumors that were out there that were disgusting. Yeah. I, I don't. I yeah. don't see it. I really don't see it. You're talking about a 38 year old forward who got in trouble for, you know, misbehaving. Like, who wants who wants to put that in the middle of the room? you got to be a really desperate team to do that. I don't see the level of desperation for any team right now, given the circumstances around Corey Perry. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, which is a shame because, he, you know, he was producing at a, for his age at a decent clip for Chicago, so he still had some game left. But Here's the uh, problem, though. You brought him in for character. Yeah. That's what you yeah. brought him in. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to surround yeah. Conor Bedard with character players, and then this guy goes off and does this. Whatever yeah. it was, that's a really yeah. bad look. And and of all the organizations for it to happen to, coming up, what happened to Kobe, it couldn't happen there. So now people are saying, well, they should have jumped on this earlier. It shouldn't have been twelve hours before they responded. I don't know about that, but it, it's it's that's that's the tough part, Anth, is that that was a character guy that you added, <laughs> yeah. and he got fired for character. That's just yeah. it's it was really really bad judgment by a player who definitely should have known better and. 
I'm sure the details eventually will come up at some point in time, but I can't see. Knowing the league the way I do, you'd have to be super desperate to take a chance on this now because just, just because of the reaction and how well-received he would be in the room based on what he may or may have not have done. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for joining us, DB. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you very soon. I uh, appreciate you coming on here and talking with us for a little bit. No, oh, always great being in Big Apple Hockey. Anytime you want me, I'm happy to come on. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, Thank you, boys. We catch you on yeah, NHL Radio. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Cheers. Take yeah. Bye. Bye. There goes Dennis Bernstein, one of uh, one of the best NHL radio hosts that there is on SiriusXM. There's a lot of good ones, so make sure you check them out, especially when any of the guys from the fourth period. Uh, they do the – is it the Sunday brunch, Anthony, or is what's the Saturday show that they do? The Saturday show was the one I was on, the hot stove with uh, hot Pat stove, and uh, yeah. Magnata. Yeah. I mean, D- DB's all over that. Yeah, under review, you, you name yeah. it. And it's yeah. always great to hear from him, especially on that. And, um, Anthony, let's, we're, guys, we'll do a quick little run with this A block and get right out of here. Uh, but you got the Islanders this week. Anthony, that, well, that was last night's crushing. Uh, I, it's, it's such a heartbreaker. And the New York, this is the problem. We were talking about this earlier. I have it with this. This is New York Islanders. They're predicated on their defense. They need to shut. They, they're, they're known for shutting people out. And now they're, when they take a lead in the third period, I have the, that number up just right here. Seven, one, and three right now. They're not getting, that should be, that should be 11 and 0, in my opinion. Maybe 10 and 1 at the worst. What do you think? So, you know, here's the thing. When they, when they broke that seven game schneid, when they, when Walsham with the shootout winner in Calgary, they were 3 0 and 1. They put them on a 3 0 and 1 stretch. Um, and, you know, despite their struggles, they're right, you know, they're right there. They were before before last night, they were two points out of second place in the Metro. You know, now they're four. But, you know, they're only a point behind Philly for third in the Metro. So they're still right there. And they had a game where they could have picked up an important two points. And you lose, you lose when you're up 4-2. Um, and you, the, the frustrating part about it is it's self-inflicted. I, I watched the whole game. And when it was 4-2, Scott Mayfield had the puck. He made a terrible pass. He made a, a pass across to his D partner, totally missed him. The Devils, you know, got the puck. Sorokin made a big save. Uh, rebound came. Jack Hughes all alone in 4-3. And that changed the whole momentum. That, that changed the whole momentum of the game. I mean, I, I think, you know, in hockey, momentum is a very important thing. And the Islanders were controlling the game. And, before, and right after that play, you could feel it just change. And from there... Honestly, once that goal that made it 4-3, I said to myself in my head, this game this game is going to be tied. What happens after that, I don't know. But I'm like, the Devils are definitely tying this game. And lo and behold, they tied the game. And they're shooting themselves in the foot. Matt, Matt Barz, the Islanders had a power play. Matt Barzell took a hooking penalty during the power play that, that ended it, made it 4-on-4. Four four. And then while it's 4-on-4, four four, Simon Holmstrom trips Jack Hughes. And again, you know, I get it. You know, Lambert said Jack Hughes is hard to defend, and but you, you can't you can't take those penalties. Four on three, boom, tie game. Um, and it's just it's it's getting it's getting out of hand. Uh, just how they're blowing leads. I mean, in Barry, when Barry Trotz was coach of this team, this stuff didn't happen. And you know, I let's speak in absolutes, but I'm I'm comfortable saying if Barry Trotz was still the coach of this hockey team they would have not have lost the far majority of those games that they had leads in. Um, and when it happens, okay, when it happens once, you can be like, all right, 
twice. Okay. But this many times now, what, six, six, seven times where they've had the lead in the third period or have been tied in the third period and have lost, that's on coaching. It's on coaching. And Lane yeah. Lambert, um, I think, is a big, is a big, big issue here for sure. 100%. I, I absolutely agree with that. And get, and DB referenced it before as well. Um, he said that, you know, a, a big portion of that is, is on Lambert. And I, I said this with Gallant last year and the year before. And it, it's when it when it's this much of an issue, when it's this much of a trend and it happens this consistently, it's, it's on coaching. Poor execution is one thing in one or two games and, you know, here and there. But when it happens every game like this, it, it, it shows you that the players are one, not prepared to deal with that situation. And two, the coaches are not fixing the issue. So uh, this is 100% on Lambert. And I, while I, I do agree with you that he probably should be fired. And I, I wanted to say to DB, when do you determine as to let what the, like when to let him go at that point, because of the fact that, you know, your season sort of hangs in the balance right now. The Islanders have got to start making a serious run if they want to get and ensure a playoff spot and not be that last wild card team that gets in by the skin of their teeth at the end of the season. You know, that I mean, yeah, maybe you can go on a run because you're playing playoff hockey every damn night to get into the playoffs, but you don't want to be in that situation. You want to be in a situation where you can kind of, like, you know, take your foot off the pedal just a little bit before you enter the playoffs and you're not worrying about your playoff life, you know, for the last two months of the season straight. So I, I just wonder when is the time to get rid of a guy like Lambert, especially when, and I, I again, I suggested this a couple of weeks back and I said it again today, when Bruce Boudreaux is available and he can come in and turn this team around. And we've seen this with Vancouver. He has a good record of turning teams around mid season, yeah. not even just Vancouver. But the 08 Washington Capitals as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like, this, this is a guy that, that really can come in midseason and help right a ship. You know, he's good in these situations. So, if not now, when is the question? I, honestly, to answer your question, for me, it would have been last night. I mean, to blow a 4 2 lead and then you're 30 seconds away from at least getting a point and you get scored on and you don't even secure one point. For me, that would have been it. He would have, he would have been gone today, but um, unfortunately, you know, uh, Lou Lamorello feels feels a little differently. Um, so I, I I don't know if they lose to Carolina tomorrow in Florida, would that do it? I, I don't I don't know. Um, all I know is like the Lou Lamorello of old, I think would have would have sent this guy packing already. It seems like in his older years, he's becoming, um, you know, he's not as fiery as he once was, but. I don't I don't know why he still has a job. I mean, when you combine last night with obviously the the prior, you know, losing streak they went on, for me that would have been enough. But um I, I guess if I could get in loose head, I would think maybe it's because again what I just said, you know, they're they're one point out of third, four out of second. So maybe he feels they're still they're still too in it to to make a coaching change. But um I I think he should have been traded and you know I guess Lou feels as though he, you know, he wants to give the coach a little more time. Maybe, maybe he wants to make a trade first to see if that changes things. I don't know, but um, he, the Islanders certainly need to start get it, get back to playing more trotch as hockey when they get the lead in the third period to shut it down because 
there's no reason why they should be blowing leads this consistently. And Anthony, just to go a little bit further into what you're saying, uh, the next, obviously they go to Florida for the next game. Then they come home, they get San Jose and Columbus. Those should be get well games, so to speak. But then you go LA, Toronto, Anaheim. God knows how Anaheim's going to be playing the Bruins. I mean, going all the way to Christmas, they don't exactly have that many winnable games. I guess, Phil, to answer your question, right now, I think he's got that leash almost all the way to Christmas. Because if he if they do poorly, then it's bye-bye Lambert, maybe have a day or two of practice for whoever the coach is. And Anthony, also to go with, with, with what you were saying before, old Lou would have not only canned Lambert, named uh, John McClain the, the coach, and then been on the bench to make sure the players are listening. That's what old Lou. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not even saying anything bad about Lou. You know what? If you want to be up there looking at everything and uh, judging it from an analytical standpoint, that's totally fine. But you know what? He had a very itchy trigger finger, but there was always a purpose behind it. I'm not seeing what the Islanders have been the last few years. And tomorrow's tomorrow's an important game. It's it's a four point game because again, the Hurricanes are four points up on them for second. So, um, you know, that's a that's game not even a four point really- game. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It was, but you they got to they gotta go out tomorrow and win. They got to yeah, go out tomorrow and win. I was saying before, if the Islanders kept that score, 4-3, to three, won that game, that put more pressure on the Devils to yeah. be better. And now yeah, the Devils are the ones that kind of can look over the Islanders and go, now they're in trouble. There might be a playoff spot Well, for the us Devils, right you know what's funny? The Devils still have issues too, though. I mean, they, they let up four goals last night. Their goaltending hasn't been good. So even though the Devils oh, won, I, I wouldn't – I wouldn't exactly have the warm and fuzzies if I'm a Devils fan. It, you know, you, you, they still have their issues, for sure. The only thing I'll say about the Devils is that they are missing Timo Meyer right now. You get Timo yep. Meyer back, that definitely helps quite a bit. But that only helps you sustain possession of the puck. It doesn't fix your in-zone issues. Yep. No. And the issues in net. Yeah, and, and the issues in net. I mean, neither of those goaltenders are really any good. And the defense needs help. If they win the Zadorov sweepstakes, we're having a different conversation. Very much so. Well, guys, we're going to wait to get our message in from DraftKings as we're limited time on Anthony right now. But let's uh, go to some of our preseason takes and reactions with some impulsive uh, reactions. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Do you want another phone? Chill. Simmer down now. I'm freaking out. I understand when I when I go too fast, I say the same word twice. So that was just <laughs> stupid. So, guys, last week was Thanksgiving, and we have a decision to make on some of these topics, these preseason hot takes. Are we eating crow or we're still eating turkey? So that would be translating. We were wrong or we're sticking to our predictions. Anthony, we're going to start with the first one, the one we talked about with DB. The Boston Bruins will struggle this season. I mean, isn't obvious? We're all world eating crow on this one. Get the, get the way, get the way <laughs> off in one. Come I mean, on. I mean, Christ, Mark, we're crying out loud. The, the Bruins are they're one of the best teams in the league. They're first on, Evan. The There's a comment in the chat. You know <laughs> you're there. They are. We're, we're certainly eating it. You know, they're they're still getting the job done. You know, they're. this just goes to show Montgomery how great of a coach he is. They lose Bergeron and Krejci. Um, they're still playing that tough defensive system. Um, you know, Olmark's not putting up the numbers that he did last year, but him and Swayman together as a whole have been real solid. 
Um, you know, Zaka's been better than better than I thought. Uh, you know, and obviously Pasternak, David Pasternak, right up there in the scoring leaders. Um, and they just they just play a real good brand of hockey. So yeah, Mark, this is. I, I mean, there's really not much else to say. We're totally wrong about this. Totally I know wrong. we're all eating crow. I'm assuming that I still had it on the list. I had to throw it in there real quick. So Phil, let me go right to the next one. One that I made the prediction on earlier in the year. And which is the Penguins are not a playoff team. If you were me, are you eating crow or are you eating your turkey? This is tough, but I'm probably going to have to go with turkey right now because they've seemed <laughs> like they're hot and cold. They're inconsistent. Um, the defense is poor. The goaltending has been okay. That maybe a little better than we thought it would be, but still not great. Um, but there is definitely a way that you could see this team completely missing the playoffs. Um, it, they could get hot and they could make a run, but I, I ultimately think they miss the playoffs. Turkey. Anthony. Know. You know, again, you know, they, they got, so they got 21 points. They're one point behind the Islanders means, you know, even them were in shouting difference of, of second and, and third. So it's still too early, but I would say right now, out of all the teams in the Metro, just based on their defense, um, I don't know. I, they I, mm, Turkey, I guess, but I, I it's they could still certainly make the playoffs based on where they are in the standings right now. I agree with both you guys that they could they could still make the playoffs, and you got to look at them and go. Sidney Crosby is still playing at such a high level, probably top ten player in the league, if not top five. And I'm still eating my turkey because all their problems come later on in the season, especially an older team. There's going to be more injuries coming in. There's going to be more fatigue. And God, Tristan Jari is worse the longer the season goes on. So it's just one of those things that's going to happen. I'm sticking to my guns. Now, something I had to dig a little bit, but something Phil said was Columbus is going to be galvanized by the Babcock firing. Phil Crow. Crow, because Pascal Vincent has coached like David Quinn coached the Rangers. <laughs> uh, it just—it's an easy crow because it, this team has done nothing. He's benched Line A and Goudreau, uh, and even healthy scratched Line A, and he's just been. What are you doing there? I mean, I, I don't know what he's doing. I—I'd I, be shocked if he lasts beyond the season. Anthony. Well, we did ask if there was a culture problem in Columbus last week. I'll ask that to you right now. And obviously, we'd be eating crow on this one too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's that's a short fit. Well, the man of few words. He doesn't have to say anything because guess what? Let's move on to one of Anthony's preseason hot takes. Oof. Pump the brakes on the Ottawa Senators <laughs> making the playoffs. Anthony, turkey or crow? Well, this is looking like a turkey so far. Um, you know, the, the Senators, they're going through some growing pains right now. They still got a young team. Um, I mean, they did. They were missing some good pieces. Shabbat was out. Um, Brandstrom was out. So they had some injuries on the back end. Um, but, again, it really comes down to their, their goaltending, like we said. Their goaltending is not great. Um, their defense as a whole isn't great. And even though they got a good group of forwards between, you know, Giroux and Stutzla and Kachuk and Batherson and Norris, uh, Tarasenko, um, they still have too many holes in their game. So um, 
I still stand by this. I mean, I would be surprised if the Senators made the play, especially in a really tough Atlantic division. Um, I don't, I don't see it happening. If you're listening on audio, you should have seen the sneer Phil gave me just as uh, I posed that last one. Phil, this is definitely turkey for you, right? Yeah, it's layup turkey, dude. Layup <laughs> turkey. It, it, it's 16 points. They, they, they have one of the worst records in the league. They're four points back of Chicago and San Jose for the worst amount of points in the league. Layup. Layup. I agree <laughs> with you on that. And the one thing I said all along was their goaltending was going to be a problem. Their goaltending's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And But one other team that we said, Florida may miss the playoffs. I'm going to eat a little bit crow on that one. I kind of nodded yeah. and said they got to get through the yeah. first two months. Paul Maurice has done a great job. <laughs> I see to you, Mr. LaRocco. Yeah, you know what? I thought missing Montour and Ekblad would have killed them. Um, but, you know, yeah, this is crow big time. Um, they're both back now. They they did more than tread water without them. They, they played really well. They got them back. Um, you know, Sam Reinhart is off, got off to a really good start. Um, and then the usual suspects, Barkov, Kachuk, Verhage. Um, so Crow for sure. They're, you know, looks like they're on track to finish, you know, make the second in the Atlantic. So, uh, definitely proved all of us wrong. All right. Polar Knights. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We, we try our best on this one. Phil, what do you think? Do you think Florida is assuring uh, for the playoffs? Yeah, I I, I say that they're probably going to make it there. Usually the Thanksgiving marker is a real good indicator of what teams are going to make and miss the playoffs because you know you, you know what a team is by then. So I, I'm going to say that, yeah. Look they're at all the guys. And, uh, yeah, take care. And, um, yeah, I, I would definitely think that this is a uh, – a team that's going to uh, continue to play well and definitely make the playoffs moving forward because they have a lot of pieces in place and they've bought into Paul Maurice, obviously. So good for them. And six, three, and one in the last 10, they have bought into Paul Maurice last year. It was there. We're trying to play playoff hockey during the regular season, which is not easy. Now they're just playing damn good hockey. Well, yeah, Francesca, I'm just eating lots of crow with this one. Uh, you know what? Let me throw one last one out there. This was one of mine, my MVP pick of this season. Jack Hughes will score over 110 points. He has played 15 games. He's got 26 right now. Filk, is it possible to have turkey pending that could turn into crow? Uh, that might be where I am because I think if he's still, if he's healthy the rest of the season, I think he gets over there. He's been uh, on a great clip. Yeah, he. I, I think it's going to be close. I think he'll break a hundred. I, I don't know if he breaks one ten at this point, just because of the time that he missed, and he's kind of slowed down a bit since he's come back. He's still scoring. Don't get me wrong. That goal last night was fantastic. But, oh, of course, but it's it's not at the pace that he was scoring at before he left at a two point per game pace. So um, I, I I do think that. It's possible, definitely possible. So I'm going to go Turkey just because I think it's close, but I'm not 110% sure if he does it. All right. Well, guys, that is our quick segment. Looking back at some of our preseason hot takes. Were they hot takes? 
Or did we go a little bit too far? Well, we're a self-correcting show. So that's why we like to do segments like this one. So we're going to go talk more around the NHL with our NHL bar talk. But first, we have to do a message from DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Shot. This is the easiest I've ever to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. Welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? Ugh, I mean, you just just give me a shot, uh, all right? Or, uh, so-so, I'll take a beer. Play along down in the comments below, and as always, why go to the liquor store when you can have them bring it to you? Open an account with Drizzly, and then there you go. They bring everything, beer, wine, and liquor. Big Apple Hockey Trucker hats are always available. You should click the link below. And let's get started. Filk, I actually watched this game the other night. I can't believe I never saw this highlight. But um, Jacob Truba was fined $5,000, and they referred to it as a high-sticking incident. That looked like a slash to the head. I forgot what Boston player it was. Trent Frederick, was it? Yes. Okay, thank you. And uh, he was only fined 5000 the maximum allowed by the CBA. Jacob Truba deserved a five-game suspension, not a fine. I'm going to go beer because I don't think it's a five-game suspension that he deserved, but I do think that it could have been a game or two. The problem is, is that NHL Department of Player Safety standards are so messed up that actions worse than this are getting one or two games. And if that's going to be the case, then that's what he really deserved is one or two games. I would have been okay with it. I would have understood it. Quite frankly, I'm surprised that he didn't get suspended knowing the Rangers and the relationship that the Rangers seem to have with the league, especially when it comes to goal reviews and calls against them. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go beer here. Deserved more than a $5,000 fine, definitely. But um, I – don't uh, I, I don't think five game suspension is. Although, if everything was in an ideal world, mm-hmm. and you you actually called things the way that they're supposed to be called, and gave the suspensions, and actually threw the hammer even on first time offenders for things like this, then yeah, five games would be something that I would like to see for something like this. But that's just not the case. It's not the reality we live in. Uh, it's, it's another miss by the, by the NHL. Look, I understand that when all things are considered, uh, I'm, I'm off the clock, 
I'm I'm wearing my Rangers jersey, watching the game. And I got to tell you, it's it's around for me. You got to make an example of guys that swing the sticks at somebody's head. And look, Jacob Truba, I'm surprised he didn't get 10 games, to be honest. The, why? Because Frederick was able to shake it off? It's it's stupid. Now, what's hilarious, and my co-host right now, I saw him talking to some Pittsburgh fans this week on Twitter who were going, oh, Jacob Truba should be kicked out of the league. Really? You had Matt Cook. Matt Cook ended careers. Just ask Mark Savard. So I don't want to hear about everybody trying to say a holier-than-thou player because we've all had one on our teams, regardless of the team you root for. So there you go. Jacob Truba, five games, I would have given it to him in a heartbeat. But where my co-host is also correct is that they have no idea what the hell they're doing. They absolutely have no idea what the hell they're doing. And is it George Paros that's still there? Yeah. That's okay. Good. George Paros, who's the head of player safety. I made a joke when we first were doing honest press conferences. He doesn't know how to pronounce safety, that he calls it safety. It's just, oh, I don't even know the word that means. George, I know you're a tough guy, but not everybody was you. And a matter of fact, keep in mind, I mean, just, yeah. I'm, 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 my rant's over on that. I, I, I got to let that one go, Philk. All right. Going over to the New York Islanders, Pierre Engvall has got one goal and nine assists this season. Philk, Pierre Engvall still scored 20 goals this season for the New York Islanders. Shot. Shot. Absolute shot. And I, I said this before, Anthony, and I, and I said it when Anthony would talk about Horvat and coming back and, and where the line placement was and how Engvall was on Nelson's line. I'm sorry, but you cannot have Pierre Engvall on your second line. He cannot be a top six forward. Mm -hmm. I don't care what he does. It's like Jesper Fast. Artemi Panarin had a 95-point season in his first year with the Rangers with Jesper Fast playing on that line. And that line worked because Fast did the little things that the other guys on the line didn't. Like, that's the reason why that worked. This is not that type of situation. Brock Nelson does the things that our Kenny Panarin and Ryan Strom didn't want to do in those years to make the, to make the play better, to make the line play better at five on five and win loose puck battles and down and cycle the puck down low. Pierre Engvall is not needed in that capacity. That line needs an actual sniper or another playmaker that can help Brock Nelson get the puck. Because if you think Brock Nelson is a 40 goal scorer, which it's possible at this point, um, yeah, then you want somebody to be able to, to help sustain offense. Pierre Engvall does not do that. I agree with you 100%, and I'm just going to just put that shot right back up there again. Uh, he ain't getting 20, and I set the bar low at 20. Usually 20 is a guy you can look at and go, there's a consistent goal scorer at least. No, he, he's not doing that. He had five goals uh, after the trade deadline with the New York Islanders, and he looked pretty good. They looked pretty good in the preseason too, Phil. No, nope. uh, it, it ain't happening for him this year. Whether or not you want to say he's – uh, just been snake bit or whatever. It's just not happening. One guy that is back, as uh, DB mentioned earlier, was great having him on, was Devils captain Nico Heischer. He returned uh, on Saturday. Saturday. I'm yeah. missing the C in his name, so I wanted to get that off of there right now. And <laughs> now that the Devils are healthy, I thought I had it in there, Phil. I'm sorry. Uh, but now that the Devils are healthy, they'll return to contender status. Yeah, I kind of mentioned this before. Um, 
I'm going to go with Browns. I, I think they make the playoffs. I think they're too good to not make the playoffs. I do wonder about their goaltending and their defense, obviously. I, I don't want to beat the dead horse on that. But, you know, having he's your back is huge. And I, I think DB was kind of um, alluding to it before. You know, you can miss Timo Meyer, but you can't miss one of or both of Jack and Nico. Because that that just throws everything off about that team. So I, I, I and especially Nico, who's a good two way player. I think he's underappreciated right now around the league. Very I much. I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the league. He's capable of scoring seventy points and giving you close to selfie caliber defense. So number two uh, last year. Yeah, the finalist for it. But I, I will say this: um, you get him back. That is a huge, huge boost to your lineup because center depth wins when it comes down to it. So, yeah, I'm going round here. Um, I'm, I want to go beer, uh, and I'm going to go beer because, as you said, center depth helps. Uh, Eric Holla missed last night's game. Hopefully it's not anything serious. He just has the Islanders flu, as uh, they referred to it last night, because he <laughs> has missed both Islander games this year. But um, – if Nico Heischer is back, that really helps your defense more than uh, a player returning on uh, them making the addition to Zadorov or Zadorov. I'm sorry. I, admit, I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. But it's just one of those things. He, the guy is the guy is a dynamite defensive player and could have won the Selkie if he played a full season. So we're going to go with that. I'm going to try to be a little bit quick because as soon as we get done with Bar Talk, there's one topic. You all know it that we probably have to discuss a little bit. But first, let's keep going. Staying in the Central Division, or in Atlantic, I should say, go move in there. Patrick Kane signs with the Detroit Red Wings on a one-year deal. Philk, the Red Wings can count on 50 points for Patrick Kane for the rest of the season. I'll start this one for us. Hell no. And Mark will get booted for some weird reason. So I guess I'm taking over here, everyone. And Mark is back. No, I'm right. Because I was saying, hell no, as I was doing that. See, sometimes when you do this on the laptop, guys, which I've been doing it the last couple weeks, I'm going shot on this. And uh, a matter of fact, let me just move over to this side just so I can put the shot in my face. <laughs> okay. So I put the shot in front of me. There we go. Right back. Filk, you can't ask a guy, no matter how good he is, Hall of Fame caliber and such, to say you're going to get us 50 points in the final uh, 62 games, no matter how good this guy might be coming off hip surgery, you can't count on that. If he gets the 40, that's a triumph for me. That's all I have to say on on Patrick Kane. Go ahead. So we're about the 20-game mark on the season. Um, I, you know what? This team has a lot of pieces, and Patrick Kane is probably going right on to power play one. And um, I, I do think he can help out. Let's hope that it doesn't start tonight. I mean, they, they have 62 games left. 50 points in 62 games is not completely out of the realm of possibility. But it, it, it I don't know how he's going to be with this surgery. I, I don't. I really don't. Uh, do I think he has a chance to be the one guy 
that makes more of a difference than any of the others? Yeah, because I, I think he's younger than a lot of the guys who had it at their ages. And I also think that he wasn't on the decline the way the other guys were. Um, oh, Kane isn't playing tonight. Okay. Because I, I saw him in practice, and, and he was on the ice in the jerseys and everything like that. So There was um, a lot of talk about whether or not he played tonight. That was all, all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's good for the Rangers that he's not playing tonight. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I do think that if anything um, – you're looking at somebody who could be capable of doing that in the right situation with the right line mates. And he's probably, I don't know if he's going to be playing with Alex to again, though. I mean, the line that Alex to break has been playing on with Lucas Raymond and, and Dylan Larkin was, I know they've cooled down a little bit, but they're mm. still a very good line. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. I would stick with that. And I'd, I'd also caution them about just, Doran Patrick Kane and willy-nilly make sure you have a plan because the Rangers didn't seem like they had a plan for Patrick Kane last year. That was another yeah. problem with what Gallant had. And look, on, honestly, I think it kind well, of – They didn't have a plan for anything. Yeah. Please. So, uh, Philk, this week another coach bit the dust as Dean Evison was fired by the Minnesota Wild, replaced by John Hines. John Hines can get the Wild into the playoffs this season. Ooh. I figured there'd be a laugh with you right there. I haven't made you laugh on that one in a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I'm close to saying shot. I really am. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go shot. Yep. It, the, the, for me, the biggest thing right now is that Kirill, uh, Kirill Kaprizov is not playing well at five on five. Uh, the majority, the vast majority of his points have come on power play. And we, we've got on Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider for the same thing. And, but the Rangers have the depth that Minnesota doesn't have to, to be able to, to deal with that and sustain. And the Rangers had one of the better lines in the league with Trocek, uh, excuse me, Panarin and Lafreniere, to also overcome that as well, and a great system. John Hines isn't going to come in and do a total Peter, La you know, Gerard Gallant from Peter Laviolette type transition. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see it. Matt Boldy's not playing well either. He he finally scored the other night, and he was, a, he was in a big, big slump before his first goal the other night in a while. Mm -hmm. So that's also not good. When you have two of your offensive linchpins not firing, you know, on all cylinders, that's a big, big problem. So I, I'm going to say shot here because I, I think they have too much ground to make up. And I, I don't think that there's enough time for them to do it because right now they are six points back of wildcard two. And I don't know if they can necessarily pass some of the teams ahead of them. And I, Edmonton is starting to play better. Connor McDavid just got hot. Um, he's got like, what, 11 points in the last three games now again? So yeah. Connor McDavid is back. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like the Jay Woodcroft firing did something to re-energize that team a little bit. Anaheim doesn't seem to be going away. Seattle, they haven't played their best hockey yet. So who knows what you're going to get from Seattle. 
Calgary is starting to play better. Funny enough, I couldn't I can't believe I'm saying that. And Arizona's not going away. Nashville has been a surprise. St. It's Louis. Funny because we're going to be talking about both those teams in a minute. Yeah. So I I don't know if I can see them. I really don't know if I can see them making the playoffs because I I really do think that when it comes down to it, on paper they may be the seventh best division in the t- uh, the seventh best team in the division. Philk, I am holding a bottle of John Powers Irish whiskey right now. This is, by the way, coincidentally going. This is the um, name of Maria's grandfather, so that's also very nice. And a good shout out to say right there. I will drink that entire bottle if he ends up getting this team into the playoffs. There is no chance of that happening. John Hines is not going to get Matthew Matthew Boldy, who is on two goals this year. Matt Boldy's on two goals. Kirill Kaprizov is under a point per game, and he's by far their best player. It is just <laughs> please don't is right. I echo that sentiment, Maria. Yeah, well, don't allow I, him to do that. I, I don't, I don't have to worry because it's not going to happen. I mean, there is absolutely no chance. And look, Matt Zuccarello is doing all. <laughs> God, if anyone has watched our telecasts where Mark has had a little too much to drink, we all know how Mark is. I've gotten oh, better with that, goes. by the way. There we go. Mark drunk stream, anybody? <laughs> the Mark drunk stream. Well, the Mika Zibanejad rumor was still like the best one. But no, it's not going to happen. John Hines, is, John Hines is a defensive coach, if anything. He might. Now, granted, this is a guy that got uh, Roman Yossi to have 96 points. So it's it's one thing or coach him during that time, but no. And looking at the wild card standings, it's a shocker, by the way, Phil, in the West. St. Louis Blues, 22 points. Nashville, 22 points. Winners of five straight. Arizona, holding firm, 22. And the Calgary Flames at 21. Nashville is starting to round into form under Andrew Brunette. You know what? I got to go around here. Uh, And uh, the reason I say this is because they don't have – a great offensive team when you when you look at the the roster that Nashville is. Like if you look at them top to bottom, they're not a they're not a great team on paper. They're really not. Philip Forsberg is leading the way. Philip Forsberg has been healthy, and it looks like he's going to have a career year. Ryan O'Reilly is doing his usual thing, scoring just under a point per game and has been a, a, an absolute force defensively. Roman Yossi, he, you, he's scoring about where he would be. It looks like about a 65-point pace. Gustav Nyquist, only three goals, but he has 16 points. Tommy Novak had 12 points in 14 games before he went down. Luke Evangelista has 12 points in uh, 20 games. I mean... And then after that, like your offense kind of sputters a little bit after, you know, Sissons and, and Sherwood. We, and Tyson Barry only has nine points and zero goals, which is kind of crazy. And you figure once he gets going offensively, this team's probably going to take another step. So, yeah, I got to give credit to Andrew Burnett here for turning this team around offensively and, and kind of keeping them in games. Because we all said over the last couple of years, and I, I know I specifically said it, that Nashville on paper have one of the best six-man defensive units in the league. Mm-hmm. Now you're starting to see the fruition of it because the offense is starting to come around. So, um, yeah, I, I got to go around here. 
Phil, this is amazing. They have seven players plus four or better and nine uh, nine players plus three or better over the last five games. I do think they're starting to round in the form. You're starting to see the identity. Barry Trotz, a defensive coach, wanted to instill with this team, make them a little bit more aggressive offensively. And Andrew Burnett's the type of guy that he's able to coach offense, and he did a great job in New Jersey last year. He did a great job two years ago with Florida. So, you know, it's just it, – it's the easiest way to say it is just, you know, I'm going to go round two. I think this is I think this is who Nashville is. And we thought they were heading towards the first overall pick the way things were going earlier in this season. Now they could be a playoff team, which is interesting enough because let's go to the last team that's on there, Calgary Flames, Filk. They're going to have the next five games at home. And I actually had them right here. And now I have to actually get it back up. Ah, that's what she said. Yeah. They get the Dallas Stars tonight at home. And then their next five games, ready for this, they go Dallas Stars. Then it's the uh, Vancouver Canucks, the Minnesota Wild, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils. And even after that, they go on the road for the Avalanche and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights back-to-back before getting – uh, Nashville again. I'm uh, sorry, Minnesota again. I should say they they need a winning uh homestand here. They might be out on the outside looking in for the rest of the season. They gotta they gotta go four and one, I think, or three three one and one at the worst. What do you think? I think it's still early. They're close enough to a point where um a, 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 like a. A 500 record on this homestand wouldn't kill them completely, but yeah, you obviously you want to have a winning homestand at this point, especially with that schedule. That schedule is pretty, it's pretty daunting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you there, but I, I definitely think that you come out of this with a winning homestand, and then you you face Colorado. And Vegas, who seems to be figuring it out again after kind of hitting a little bit of a rut. Um, I definitely would say that if you have a winning homestand, you're in really, really good shape. Because uh, the the pack really isn't separating with this wild mm-hmm. You have a cluster of teams for those two spots. And then a bunch of teams that are all right there separated by less than a handful of points. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go around here actually, and I'm actually gonna highlight this comment because it's great. Because I love wrestling. So yeah, yeah. Calgary needs to take opponents into the legendary <laughs> Stu Hart dungeon at that point and kind of stretch them out, if you will. Well, I'm just gonna say really quick. Thank you for joining us on Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk because we had a great guest today, Dennis Bernstein. We had to cut short the A block for a minute. We're gonna finish the A block because we've got two topics to go in right there, right now. Filk. And that A block goes with the team that's playing tonight in only about 15 minutes. The New York Rangers tonight. 15 minutes, 7.30. 7.30? We got even more time. That's great. Because then we have both of these conversations to have. We have Because we got one major headline. As you see me rolling my eyes, you know I don't want to talk about it. But the New York Rangers last week, 3-1 and one at the highlight of everything. 7-4 win over the Boston Bruins. Sure, yeah, they lost to the Buffalo Sabres, but whatever. It was just one game, and it was definitely the New York Rangers trap game where you know they let down against them. Yeah, exactly. By the way, Phil, just to say this, four regulation losses for the New York Rangers this season. Columbus, St. Louis, 
Sorry, San Jose. Uh, no, wait. Let me try that one again. Columbus, uh, Nashville, and uh, and now Buffalo. You talk about three of the bottom feeders that are in there, but that's what's just what happened. Sorry, Buffalo fans, but right now it's it's what that team is. Seven, two, and one in their last ten. Adam Fox returning tonight. Philk, I ask you this question: Are the New York Rangers, who are tied for, who are actually one point now behind the Vegas Golden Knights with three games at hand? Are they the best team in the NHL? I mean, you got to look at that and you got to say, yeah, it, 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 they're they're right there if they're not the best. I mean, they're only one point back and they have three games at hand and they're not even running on full steam. They're getting their Norris caliber defenseman back tonight. Philip Hedl is is out. Capo Caco is out. I mean, the injuries they dealt with are just – you figured those would kill some teams, but this team just – and I've said it all, all season. They find ways to win games. If you had to pick a song for this team, I, I know that you know I'm going to get mixed reactions from the band, but it would probably be Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. <laughs> it's, it's just whatever it takes for them to win a game, they win. They do it. They love the adrenaline in their veins. They they love they seem to love taking second periods off and then coming back in the third period and then just beating teams down into submission. It's just you know what you you gotta you gotta get better defense from Keandre Miller. Yeah, Keandre Miller's got to be better. Ryan Lindgren, I think, will wake up with the return of his longtime defense partner, going back to the U.S. National Developmental Team. And, and the U.S. World Junior teams, uh, Adam Fox. Um, Igor Shosturkin has really not been himself this season. I don't know if anybody saw the interview with Steve, uh, you know, Steve Valaket. And I, I, I posted this on my Twitter because I got lambasted for saying that Igor Shosturkin has not been himself. And people were saying, oh, overreaction season. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're this and that. Whatever. And then what does uh, Valaket do? Valaket comes on and basically says that Igor has not been himself this season. It was on Sportsnet 590, the fan. So you know what? Um, I, I, I really have to sit there and tell you that despite all of these things happening, this team still continues to win games. And Vegas, they've been at full strength for the most part. They haven't had to deal with the injuries that the Rangers have. Wait until the Rangers get everybody back. That's going to be a very, very scary team. And not only that, but wait until the Rangers make a move to address the right wing situation that they've been dealing with. Yeah. That's going to be another thing. And it's, I don't, I, I, listen, I'm not really a big Zach Jones fan. I'm not either. He, he kind of improved his play a little bit, but that pairing with him and Schneider still been bad because Schneider has just been god-awful this season. That's another thing. Brandon Schneider's been god-awful. I, I If you ask me, he's been one of the worst defensemen in the NHL this year. I know mm. that it, some people maybe th think that, oh, that's, that's hard, but Schneider's not been good. He's blown chances. He's blown assignments. For someone who's really kind of – been touted for his defensive play, especially when he first came up as a rookie, and then some of his play last year has kind of been up and down. Schneider's really kind of regressed a bit, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. So I, 
I really want to see more out of him as well. And I think with I, I think with Gustafson getting put back down to that pairing, that may alleviate some of the responsibility of Schneider to move the puck out of his own zone. And I think Gustafson, who has played okay in a top pairing role with Lindgren, he's been he's but he struggled a little bit as a late against some better teams, especially against Boston. I thought he played his worst game of the season against Boston, if you ask me personally. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see him kind of be able to go back and play what? And yeah, Dallas. Oh, he was terrible against Dallas. Actually, Dallas is probably his worst game. I think Bobby Ganoush is actually right there. And by the um, way, Phil, let me piggyback off of that. Let's go to the other half of that pairing. That was the worst game for Zach Jones. That might Zach be the worst game terrible. I've ever seen Zach Jones ever play. Yeah. He got manhandled in front of the net the entire time. It's just, and that's where it's just yeah, one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where you look at it with him and go, um, that you you look at him and you just say, you know, I, I think good kid. I'm just not sure about longevity in the NHL. And yeah, also, yeah. he's he's sort of like I, I made the comparison I think last week with John Moore. That John Moore, good player. I just don't know if long term if he's a guy that really this team needs. They can move on from him. I think John good. Moore was a better defenseman, if you ask me. I think I do. I believe so too. His own zone, and I, I think the speed that he had helped him move the puck out a lot, and he could give you a little bit of offense. So, yeah, this is kind of what I'm getting at, Mr. Fantastic. Once Fox gets back, it moves Gustafson down, allows him to focus a little more on his offensive game, not have to worry so much defensively, because it seems like he got overwhelmed at times. And, and not only that. But maybe that takes a little bit of nerve off of Keandre Miller, who's also looks like he's been he's been tentative a bit in his play. His defensive play has been spotty. He's been blowing assignments again. We all know he's very inconsistent. His career has been very inconsistent. Rookie year, first half, great. Second half of the year, bad. Second or first half of his sophomore year, bad second half of his sophomore year and playoffs 2022 outstanding excellent last year first half of the season okay looked better probably looked a little better because of truba's struggles and then the second half of last year he looked bad so it's that's kind of carried over so let let's see what how that affects keandre miller with adam fox coming back and yeah that's that's what i'm getting at here matt is let's see how that the, let's see how that effect affects them. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to say, yeah, they're the Rangers. I think are the best team in the NHL. And I, I, and I know that I might be accused of being a Homer. Yeah, go ahead. But they're, they're one point back with three games in hand and they're yep. not, they're not firing on all cylinders yet. So, yeah. And Philk, uh, by the way, for Mr. Sintastic, I apologize if he had to watch the Marvels because I, I, I heard that that's quite the Oscar award winning movie right now. <laughs> Um, but, um, the, the thing I'll tell you right now, Philk, I'm going to go. The only reason why no, and they're, they got the points. They're doing everything they have to do. They need better play out of Mika Zibanejad. They need Chris Kreider to be better on five on five as well. They need to figure out that top, that top right wing. Those guys look like they're finally starting to get going a little bit though. Well, that is true. Um, but also look, that second line right now is carrying everything. And Vincent Trocheck. He just went right back to our time at Panarin and said, hey, you remember last year when I had 60 points? And they're looking great. 
when I said to DB earlier that there's something missing, yeah, there's something missing. And the great part is what DB says, catch me 20 games from now. I can't wait to ask him that question 20 games from now, because hopefully by then some things have been figured out with the New York Rangers. Igor Sesterkin will be playing better because you know he ain't going to have the, the high goals against average and low save percentage that he's got right now. Then you also are going to have Adam Fox back and healthy. You're going to have all these players that aren't playing well that are going to get better. We know this. And as you said, Matt, right here, if you told me this team would go 7-2-1 without Fox and Keitel, without Igor for five games, I would not have believed you. I would have said maybe reverse that. Maybe 1-2 and, well, not seven ties or OT losses. You know what I mean? Seven losses that are in there. I mean, that that could have been a, a reasonable thing. But what's been the factor that I can say that this team is 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 with all their injuries? Coaching. This is where coaching, you look at and go, this is where Peter Laviolette has done such a great job. You watch that Bruins game and every single game of theirs this season, when they are really in the game, they're four-check, and they are just causing so many turnovers at the opponent's blue line and creating so many more chances. This team right now, I swear to you, Phil, they get a little bit faster and a little bit more consistent play out of their top line. I mean, you could say they're not the top line, Savannah, Jad, and Kreider, but they are still considered to be. But um, you get that that top line going, and then you get Phil Pedal back, and maybe he can return to the form that he had last year. This team, sky's the limit. Maybe yeah. he can compete and and go all the way to the finals in the cup maybe. again. This guy knows how to coach. I can't. I keep going back to it. Yep. But uh, so I'm looking forward to tonight, seeing what happens, yeah. and uh. Who knows? Maybe Patrick Kane will be in the building to watch them before we take some of your comments. And you guys have been firing a lot of comments in there. I've been seeing them. We got to talk about one more, one more thing. And uh, as Phil knows, I got a lot to say about it for first, but I want to hear from him. Corey Perry, his contract was terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks for engaging in conduct, uh, conduct unacceptable. Uh, their words, not mine. Phil. We're going to lightly breeze over the rumors because that's all they are at the moment. They're rumors. But what are your thoughts on this situation as you went over with DB earlier? I, I didn't go over anything with DB. Oh, you asked him about this, right? Does Corey Perry play again? No, that was Anthony that asked him. Oh, it was Anthony. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are um, your thoughts on it? We don't really know anything. We we just we just know that it's unacceptable and it was it was enough for them to terminate his contract. I I, I don't know what he did. I mean, yeah, rumors are out there, and I, I don't know. You, you hear wide ranging rumors. Yeah, why? Yeah, very wide ranging ones. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say about this because I, we don't have much information. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Go on a bunch of rumors or go on a hearsay that, that, that I mean, I, I have nothing to go on. I, I really don't know what else I can really say about this. Well, here's, here's what I'll, I'll say about it. And I'm not going to get into specifics because there's rumors and innocent people in there that, or people that might not be even connected to any of this stuff. The fact that there's even that much smoke out there, the Blackhawks had to do something and do something fast. And if, one iota of this is true for Corey Perry. 
uh, he should probably be blacklisted from the NHL. And I'm not saying that to terminate a guy's career, but it happened to Ted Nolan. It didn't happen with some other players in, in the NHL. Um, and again, I'm just saying it was Ted Nolan. There, again, I'm not getting into the rumor mill. Here's one problem I have with this, Philk. Even Let's say, for instance, it's not true. There's been a name that must be Googled at least 2 million times and endless amounts of jokes made. Yeah. And if it's not true, Corey Perry should never play another game again. You could say the fans made all of it up. They could only make up so much. So if that's the case, and there's other names that are being leaked out there too. Here's the other thing. If that's the case, why couldn't you just be professional? Why couldn't you just, you know, not, I mean, there's, there's, this is a guy, as, as, as Dennis said, this is a guy they brought in for character. We haven't even talked about his stats in any of the conversations about him. So I don't even know how he's playing at the moment. He's brought in for character. The guy is a Stanley Cup champion, an MVP, a Rocket Richard winner. And now he's going to have at least two reporters from TMZ on his ass every single minute. If he, if the, any of this is true, then no NHL team should ever touch him ever again, especially since he's 37 think, years old. I don't think they're going to at this point. It's I, ridiculous. I, it's absolutely ridiculous, Phil. I, I don't. Listen, I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't. But I can tell you this for a guy that was brought in for veteran leadership and character and, and to kind of like build a culture there, that's the ultimate snafu. That's yeah, you can't get you can't get your contract terminated for and, and it's crazy because there are a lot of teams that he probably could have helped pump playoff time, the Rangers being one of them. Um, but no one's gonna touch the like DB said, no one's gonna touch that team with and I want to bring that and that distraction and whatever that was that he did into that locker room because players are gonna look at him with a with a stank eye. And with, not just that. Press is going to be all over him. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's why I said by distraction. Yeah. That's and what that, what that is. It, it's, and every question, everyone's going to be getting, yeah, just what you said. You know what? Let's go with what you said exactly. They're, he's going to be getting in the side eye the entire time. Like, really? I got to ask, I got to answer this question again. That's what that's going to end up coming out of this. They don't, they, no one needed this. No one. And Filk, now TMZ is on this. That's a scary enough proposition. Yeah, then there's going to be a bunch of memes. I mean, that's just, I don't know what that's going to be. We don't know what's going to happen with that. But. I've, I've already heard some jokes, and I knew I had to do the show today. So I tried to make sure I didn't pay that much attention to them. But it's it's one of those things. I just, it, it didn't need to happen. And at least we talked about the Blackhawks and again with DB, they reacted in 12 hours. They had to figure out much. I love when people say, oh, why did they do they do anything immediately? Every team has to investigate a situation. You, If you react too quickly, you fire the guy, he sues you. Wrongful termination, yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's one of those things, Phil. It didn't need to happen. He had He went on waivers. No team took him. Now his contract's terminated. God only knows what's going to happen. So 
I mean, but then again, as you've said it best, you know, NHL hockey, the best sport, NHL worst league. Some, if this is football, he'd already be signed by somebody else. Let me just be honest. Yeah. About that. Yeah. We can. Yeah. We can yeah. I mean, the NFL is, is never one to talk again on a high horse about the players that they've had through their time. Let's get to some user comments because, and I'm going to have to select them, <laughs> put a little bit more scrutiny. We're going to take some of your questions right now, guys. And we got Anthony back in here. Anthony, by the way, I guess treading carefully a couple of quick, did, did you have any thoughts on the uh, Corey Perry situation without getting too specific? Yeah. Um, I mean, with what Phil sent earlier this morning, if that one was if that one was true, um, I get why some people may be like, "Well, why is that a big deal?" You know, it's, it's two consenting, you know, adults, and what they do is their business. I mean, and part of that is accurate. However, um, when you're an NHL pl- when you're an NHL player, you you're held or any professional athlete, you're held at a different you're held at a different standard. So. You know, if Corey Perry wanted to get involved with an employee of, of the Chicago Blackhawks, um, he's got to know that that's that's not allowed. You um, I mean I've you know before I do what I do now, you know, basically self-employed. Um, I worked retail for you know a long time, very different, various different positions and retailers, and in each stop. You have people that work together that, you know, do stuff and, and date and whatnot, and it's always talked about, but that's it's different. You know, this is an NHL player, and he's got to know um, that there are some rules and, and boundaries. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, if it was just a case like that and, the, you know, there was no harm really going to either side, do I think he should be blackballed and not given another chance? Uh, no, but again, we don't know. This is all just speculation. We don't actually know for sure what happened. So that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. Um, and then there's also the issue of, you know, I I don't know his family situation. I don't know if he's married or if he's separated or, or whatnot, but, um, I mean, if he was married and then, you know, did what he did, that's, that's another moral issue that, you know, but that, that's a different story, but, um, and overall, like I said, it's, it's hard to say without really knowing what the details are. And yeah, I, again, we're not going to confirm or deny some of those details for us because that's why we're going to, we're going to stay away from that. And I gave one of my opinions in our group chat, but basically I gave the same opinion it is right now. If it was, if it's true, it would be one of those things. Do not go near player X. And also it it should it shouldn't have been that way in the first place. So, and I know Leo, you can Google that. Say he's married. We also don't know what that situation is. We don't know if they're separated. We don't know if they're if they're if there's any problems. However, for us to speculate and go, well, I could look that up right now. Also, again, there's just certain. It, it's. It's like when your buddy introduces you to his brand new girlfriend. The last thing you should be doing is hitting on her. So, and it's, it's but again, it, it's hard to say because we don't know exactly what went on or, or what he did. So it's, we, we, we don't know, it. and that's the reason why we, yeah. with it, you know, yeah. just yeah, that's that's just the best way to say that. Um, 
And again, the Chicago Blackhawks acting within 12 hours on this or as quick as they did, I'll actually give them credit on this because they didn't act at all in the last problem. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, moving on. Uh, Anthony, we had a couple of, uh, we had a couple of the good uh, hot takes that we had before. Got some of those hot takes were, were great on that. And um, I think the last one was Jack Hughes was going to score over 110 points. What do you think? Do you think he can still do it? I mean, he missed the, I don't think 110. I mean, I think he'll get to 100, but I, I'm not going to say that he's going to score 110, though. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we have a, we have a 10 more minutes before the game starts. So if anybody wants to ask any questions, go right ahead. Any other questions besides what, what there is? Cause that was starting to get a little bit uncomfortable in the, uh, for everybody involved. Prediction for tonight's game. Thank you for Jessica. Uh, well, Rangers, Red Wings. Look, Red Wings have been coming in. Let's see. Their last couple games, they just they beat up on the Bruins on Friday. And I know because I took the Bruins in a parlay, and that actually cost me. Thanks, Boston. And uh, beating up on Minnesota. They've been, they've been scoring goals in bunches. 4-0 over over the New Jersey Devils on Thanksgiving Eve. This is, um, they're an interesting team because after all, they coughed up, uh, well, they came back against Ottawa and James Reimer had that duck on the Tim Stutzler goal. I, um, I'll say the Rangers might take this one, but I'm going to make it a little bit closer. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a 4-3 game. Matt saying 4-2 Rangers. Gabriel Perot, 20 points in 13 games for the Boston College Eagles. That is great. Gotta love that one. All right. Uh, who do you guys see? NYR going to fill uh, their right wing depth. Tarasenko, no. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think they I don't think Tarasenko comes back. I don't think he wants to come back. And I think there's gonna be too much money that's in there. Do they make a trade, sign a UFA, or call a Wolfpack player? I think temporarily they're gonna you're gonna see some Wolfpack guys come up, but that's about it. Actually, uh, the jersey that we're wearing is my Big Apple hockey jersey. There are some of these I have to order. Uh, I have a few of them that I have uh, custom made. Uh, if you guys want want a couple of these, just let me know. Uh, message me on Twitter at Big Apple Hockey. Love to make some of those. Anywhere for life is saying Rangers going to win this one three to two. How does Benoit Allaire get Chesty back to his Vesna self? I think the first thing you could say, and it's the first thing Valaket talks about when he critiqued Lundqvist back when he was out for a while and when he had a bad stretch. If the if you're starting to watch Chesty not make that much motion with his head. He's very economical and he's staring down at the puck. That's the way it was described. That's one thing. Uh, look forward to that. That's when you know he's going to be at his best. Anthony Beauvillier to the Hawks. Yeah, that was a, I think that's a pretty good move. 
I think that's a pretty good move. If the New York, uh, Chris is saying, and there's going to be, there's a question for you too. Leo had one for you, Phil. But yeah. uh, if the New York Rangers are in first place, the deadline and lead player like Lindell, I don't think Anton Lindell is going anywhere. He is going to be right yeah, there. One, one, Florida's not moving Lindell. The next, sorry, yeah. the next. Leo was saying, I asked Phil this question a while back. What was your the first NHL game you watched on TV? And what was the first game you watched live? Okay. Uh, sorry, it was actually for me. First game I ever watched on TV, I believe, was game three of the 1988 playoffs between the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Mario Lemieux just went off in that game, and the Rangers couldn't really do much. The first game I ever watched live, and I had to wait till 1995, and I was just starting my senior in high school, I think. Yeah. And I was, it was Rangers Islanders back in the fish stick days. And uh, it was a, a hell of a time. Rangers won, I believe that won five to two. And uh, I remember Karpatsev scoring and Brian Leach scoring. So first game I went to live, I think may have actually been an Islander game. I think it was for a Boy Scout trip that I was on back when I was like maybe like five or six years old. Um, so I think that might have been it. I don't remember who they played, but I remember Pierre Turgeon playing in that game. So it was very, it was probably like 92 or something like that, or 93 maybe. Um, first Ranger game that I went to was probably one of the Ranger Islander playoff games in 94. I, I, I think that it was, because I, I actually know it would have been game one then, because I went to all four games in that series. So yeah, uh, I would have... I, I, I probably that would be the first Ranger game I watched. First game that I watched on TV, I, I can't even remember it. I was so young, but I, I think it was probably a Rangers Kings game. And I remember watching Wayne Gretzky in it and being like, Who the hell is this guy? And that's where I got kind of drawn to Wayne Gretzky. So, just to mention before I highlight another uh, a question right here, Phil, my first game was actually at the Coliseum. Uh, my first Ranger game was Rangers versus Senators, my uh, former manager at Sears, Charlie Brown, yes, that was his name, uh, was uh, – he had season tickets. Oh, and, Charlie Brown! Yeah. pepperoni pizza! <laughs> he had season tickets right next to uh, – right next to the Ferrar brothers. And it, I, was, I was reading through the, the uh, press guide, and Peter Ferrar got up. I was like, oh, look, there he is. But uh, that was against the Ottawa Senators, um, and I think they scored a. Uh, I can't remember who scored I, right now, but th- that was that was another good game that they had. Um, Anthony, I'm going to ask you yours in one second. I'm going to get going though, but um, yeah, because I'm going to go watch the game with a friend. So uh, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate that. Hope you guys all like Dennis Bernstein. The reference I just made, I don't know if anybody picked it up, but it's from Kill Bill. It was the first Kill Bill movie where they're all in the restaurant. Uh, Oren Ishii's Crazy 88s are all in the restaurant. And uh, the guy is actually wearing a, uh, a kimono that looks like Charlie Brown's T-shirt. So they call him Charlie <laughs> So um, hope everybody got that one because I just sound absolutely crazy or possibly racist somehow uh, quoting that. But that was the first thing I thought of when you said Charlie Brown was that. 
Yeah, you're just quoting a movie. That's totally fine. Or at least it should be in our world right now. Anthony, what was the first Islander game you've ever been to? Phil, take care. See you later, Phil. Later, boys. Uh, honestly, I I can't really I can't really remember. I know from a picture there was a uh, there was a game. Um, my dad somehow got down on the ice or an intermission. I, I don't know exactly what it was, uh, but I couldn't. And he was holding me. Couldn't have been any more than four or four or five at the time. Uh, so maybe somewhere around you know nineteen eighty nine. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't. I, I can't actually remember uh, a specific first game. Oddly enough, that I went to. I, I I'm not really sure when it <laughs> when it was. Other than that. Uh, but I went to a bunch growing up. Um, you know, my dad had partial season tickets for most of the mid kind of like mid to late nineties. Uh, but I, I can't really kind of put a finger on what my first game was though, that I, that I specifically remember. All right. Oh, actually really quick for you, Anthony, follow up. What's your favorite game you've ever been to? Favorite game. Um, I would say probably the probably the game where in the 2015 playoffs against uh, against Washington when Tavares won the game in overtime like 10 seconds into the game. Yeah, I think it was even uh, 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, I think it was game. I think it was game three. Um, it was an afternoon game at the Coliseum, uh, or the game. The game against Tampa Bay in the conference final when uh, Ryan Pollock made that made that game saving save behind yeah. uh, Varlamov with the glove. Uh, that one was an incredible game. That was my first ever conference final game that I was ever at. So um, that was a really good game. Uh, another memorable one was Tavares's first time playing in the playoffs with the Islanders, which was the lockout shortened season in 2013 against Pittsburgh when the Islanders won. Um, it was a crazy game back and forth. I, I think the final was like maybe five, six, six, four, some, somewhere around there. Uh, it was the MVP chance for going down for Tavares. He scored a big mm-hmm. goal in that game. Um, so those, those are three that kind of stick out off the top of my head. Wow. Okay. Now I guess for the Rangers, I have to think about those. Uh, actually I could go with, uh, I could go with an Islanders one in, in my top five. Definitely. But, uh, no particular order. Marty St. Louis scoring in, in OT against the Canadians. First time I ever saw an OT winner in a playoff mm-hmm. game. Um, I'll go with the Sean Bates penalty shot game against the yep. Toronto Maple Leafs game four, I believe it was, uh, that I was there for that. Um, and to score myself some extra points, I'll say uh, November 1st, of 20 uh sorry 2020 what was last year 2022 because after all that was the rangers uh winning one nothing and yeah. that was a night where i could have so, met my potential have, wife have you ever, instead, we didn't have, you ever have you ever been to a stanley cup final game haven't would love to regardless who's playing once yeah <laughs> um let me, john let me answer this one for you and i know some guys are asking if you're going to trade for Frank Vetrano, then uh, you got to take on an extra year. It's a uh, three point. He's making three point five million. 
I just think there's too much assets. There's going to be a big bidding with 3.65. Too much uh, bidding assets for him, especially with how well he's producing. He's gonna he's coming back down to earth, and uh, I just it's just not going to be something that's sustainable with him. The, the guy's got a, an unlimited amount of talent. Now, if one thing you're asking me is Kako going to be on the team next year, that is a great question because I think it might be best to move him. However, Chris T, let me go with this one for a second. We can't even trade Kako anymore as part of the uh, of a Toronto pa- package. Kako actually, the, the latest rumor that I heard was that is he's going to be fine. It's not going to be too long-term on that. But um, I think one thing to mention with Kako is when you're going to look at a guy at the trade deadline, you're going to look for somebody that could play good defensively on the third line, maybe chip in a goal or two, surprise some people. That's Kapo Kako, and he's only being paid $2.125 million, I think it is. I mean, so he's cheap. That's why you end up keeping him, and his defense is good. And as anyone will tell you in any pro sport, your defense is good. You'll stay in the lineup. It's just that simple. Um, I saw Dave saying, can I bring up the previous question? Um, I don't see it right now. John D. Lee is with us. Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there was there was a lot of aging. I'm assuming you're talking about uh, – oh, wait. I'm trying to remember which game that was. But – What's uh, Lafayette's contract going to look like in two seasons? You know what? First things first, break 40 points, kid. That's the way it is. My first game was Islanders and Devils in 1984 at the Meadowlands. My dad got cheap tickets. My dad was pissed because they put us in the Islanders section, but they were cool. DP, that's a great story. That is a great story. Chris T is saying, I'm done with Kako. It's just a terrible season. Guy looks like a scaredy cat. Yeah, but everybody wants to talk about ex-rangers that you moved on from like whether or not it's i mean some of the guys complaining about frank vetrano just irritates me the guy is a good player he's not a great player and he just got hot i mean i get irritated sometimes when it comes to mets and zuccarello being talked about not that i didn't like zook everybody loves zook it's just the rangers went into full rebuild mode it's nothing you could do they had to trade him and then he was asking for $6 million. They ended up replacing Zook with Artemi Panarin. So, I mean, it's you, – you, you got to love the guys when you have them. Because, heck, I, I still love big game brass. He was excellent. Uh, Leo's saying, um, Mark, from what I heard uh, from a friend in Finland, uh, Finland, Kako will be out for at least to the start of January, but not season ending. He has hyperextended knee, something I cannot pronounce. No, actually, uh, yeah, in his knee. Um, I forgot the name of the cartilage already. Uh, I can look at it. But, yeah, that's what they're saying with Kako. That's what it looks like with him. Guys, we're going to go one more question because the Ranger game is about to start, and I have dinner to be getting to. If uh, if Kako's knee isn't permanently damaged, give him more time. He'll be good. And again, he's what you're going to want at the trade deadline anyway, and the Rangers already got him. Now, can they upgrade? I think if the Rangers upgrade, don't shoot for the moon. Think of like the best trade deadline acquisition last year was Ivan Barbashev. It wasn't Patrick Kane. 
You get you can get nice a smaller one. Matt, thank you very much. And this was a great stream. Everybody was on their game. Something great today. John, I want to answer this last one. What's Laffy's contract going to look like in two seasons if he continues to live in this neighborhood? And as I did say, he's got to break 40 points first. Look, he's got – Anthony, let's say – we were talking about this today. That I'm going to go – uh, I got to go eat, uh, eat dinner. But um, yeah, what I was going to say before when I asked about the Stanley Cup final game is, uh, you know, if the Islanders got past Tampa Bay that year, I, I was going to I was gonna certainly go, and that was going to be something on, on the bucket list. Um, and that's something that to, to this day still bothers me. They ran into two Tampa Bay teams that, that was back-to-back years where – I think if they would have got past the Lightning in both those both those years, I think they would have been back to back champs. I mean, they they definitely would have been Montreal, Dallas, probably maybe a little bit of toss up, but I think at the way they were playing that at that point in time, they would have beat Dallas, and um, and that's a disappointing about about watching now, seeing how they're kind of struggling now, how they were that close, and Lou wasn't able to 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 get them over the hump by making that one last move. Um, and it's, well, I'm not it's sure if they win the cup with Taylor Hall. I think they made the right move in getting Paul Mary. No, not even that. I, I just, I just think that they, they unfortunately ran into a team that was just, it was their time. Um, and now you wonder, you know, how long till you get back there? You know, and that's why it's. That's why you, you always. Yeah, you got to make that bet when as soon as you can, folks. Yeah. Thank you very much from all of us. If you're getting on late, I'll see you guys but, later. Uh, take it easy, Anthony. Just doing the sign-off right now. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody, because uh, we had a great show tonight. Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. What a a show we were able to get in and really have plenty of time for you because we we like to try to keep this to an hour now. It's about two hours. I have dinner. I have to get to, too. We're going to be sitting down, watch the, the Ranger game tonight and check it in. There is a lot of games being played tonight. I believe there is a... 12 games on the schedule for tonight. 14, oh, three games. 14 tomorrow night. Ugh. Okay, maybe uh, I should actually get that one right before I open my mouth. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Uh, if you're listening to us on audio, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And if you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe. Thanks to the 19 people that have stayed with us to the very end. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go, Rangers.